I'm Alan Kogan. Join me as I tour the country tasting different whiskeys and discussing the craft of distillation with local distillers, whiskey lovers, and even those who are new to the culture of spirits. Welcome to The Kogan Conversation. Hey everyone, in this episode I had the pleasure of sitting down with Owen King from Ironclad Distillery Company, located in Newport News, Virginia. Ironclad is a family-run craft distillery reveling in the rich Civil War history of the area. The distillery actually sits along the James River within view of the first Ironclad battle site of the American Civil War. Just a couple quick notes before the show, this is our last episode of 2023. So, if you like this episode and others we've done, do me a favor and leave me a rating and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I'd appreciate subscribing to our YouTube channel as well. We have lots of awesome stuff planned for 2024, including an eventual shift to a full video format show. With that, let's get to the episode with Ironclad. Enjoy. All right, Owen. Well, thank you for having me here at the Ironclad Distillery. Welcome here, Kogan. Yeah. I hey, I I've never been here, and you've already corrected me. It's Newport News, not Newport. <laughs> <laughs> Got to say it with a kind of southern draw too. Newport News. Newport News. Well, so tell me about the distillery. How long has it been here, and uh, how'd you get involved? Yeah. So uh, the distillery started about nine years ago now. Um, my dad owns this thirty thousand square foot warehouse that we're currently in. Um, and, uh, so it's, it's three stories, 10,000, 10,000 square feet each floor. Um, and he bought it 16, 17 years ago now. Um, and he had another business operating out of here. And so as busy as that other business ever was, we were never filling the entire building. And so, uh, you know, after I graduated college, I, I came down, uh, he are, he graciously offered me a job. So I came down to work for him because, you know, after college you need a job. Uh, so came down to work for him and. Uh, we had already all always really enjoyed drinking bourbon and and uh, you know sitting around talking about drinking bourbon and, think, <laughs> and talking about it. Uh, you know all those good all the good conversations you have all having bourbon with you. Um, and so we were talking about what we were going to do with all the extra space we have. And you know he had this I had this idea of of you know making it in a tons of tons of crazy ideas <laughs> and so uh you know one day he's like you know like, you know what we could do we could start a bourbon distillery and you know we can we can make the bourbon and um and we could store it on the floor on this on the on the you know floors we're not using and um and as as you know when we get busy in the in the restoration business which was what his business was um you know we'll, we'll slow down we will slow down production on the bourbon but when we when we're slow in the in the uh, restoration business we'll really go full bore uh, bourbon distilling. And so we're like, oh yeah, it sounds like a great idea. Uh, and you know, kind of forgot about it. And a couple weeks later I walked in, he's like, oh, by the way, I bought a still. And I was like, oh, great. We're bootleggers now. Uh, this is, this is going to be great. Um, so we, the still showed up and when uh, we were like, oh, what are we going to do? It was a little 26 gallon hillbilly still. And uh, we looked into the legality of owning a still and it turns out, you know, you can own a still, but you if, to use it, it's on 100% illegal. So we went through and we're like, well, if we're going to do this, we might as well do it legally and not go to jail for, for bootlegging. <laughs> um, and so we, you know, took us about a year to get all of our licenses and permits and everything. And then we started distilling and um, we did it for, we, we've been doing it for a while and uh, we were really enjoying the distilling and not so much the restoration business. So 
he sold the restoration business and uh we went full-time distillery making it uh making it you know legitimate business and uh really enjoying it yeah well i've, I've been enjoying watching you, you guys grow i i've I've only been here for a few years in Virginia, and I've had your, a, a couple of your of your bottles before, but uh, this is the first time at the distillery. And this space is such a cool space too. You have the distillery, of course, but then you have—I mean, we're sitting here in a little speakeasy, and we have you have the the big tasting room area in, in the front. Uh, tell me a little bit about that, about the space you're in. So we, uh, when we started the bourbon distillery, um, we were really lucky in the fact that my sister uh, didn't love her job in New York, and so she was getting really burnt out of being up there and she wanted to come down and a little change of pace. And so she wanted to come and be a bourbon brat and she wanted to, to help with the, help start the distillery. And so, um, so she has a, she's a marketing whiz. Uh, she's been working in New York and in, in fashion and, and marketing and copywriting. Um, and so she thought she could come down and do all of our marketing for us and, and really getting the brand out there. And so, uh, we, when we, finally got to the point where we were actually able to sell things uh because you know we had to let all the stuff age that we were making um she really hit the ground running she had a great uh design or idea for packaging she had a great uh, idea for you know social media and then uh after a couple years of selling only in abc stores uh we started our tasting room um and it was about half the size of what it is now when we started it um but she had this vision of of how she wanted it to look and so my dad and I just had to keep writing the checks uh, <laughs> to make sure it it secured her vision. Um, but she has a great eye. She made the place look really, uh, really attractive, really great place to come sit down and, and have a cocktail, which is, you know, the goal. We wanted to be really inviting. Well, it, it kind of has that, that feeling of, you know, that old cocktail lounge, that, yeah. that ambiance that I love. Yeah. Well, tell me a little about Ironclad. I, it's, obviously, that's a it's an old Civil War history kind of thing, and the flight of bourbon of, of whiskeys you have here actually is shaped <laughs> like an Ironclad. <laughs> I'm excited right. to learn about where that came from. Good eye. You know, not everyone gets that. Um, so yeah, the idea, the the story behind the Ironclads, March 9th, eighteen sixty-two. Uh, the first ever battle between two Ironclad ships took place, um, and it took place, you know, about maybe half a mile from here. Oh wow! Uh, we would actually had a front row seat at this spot to watch the whole thing go down. So when we were kind of picking names of of what we wanted to do or what, what we wanted to name the distillery. Um, we, you know, we had a couple ones. We, we wanted to have something to tie in with, with Newport News. And, um, the one thing we, you know, we came up with was our, was let's name it Ironclad. If, if it's our, if it's already, you know, we would have had a front row seat to watch the whole thing go down. Um, and so, you know, doing that, then we ended up getting to know the really history, the, all the real history of the Ironclad ships. Um, I've been inside the, uh, the turret of the monitor, um, uh, gotten to do some really cool things. Um, because it was the first ever battle between two ironclad ships. It changed naval warfare forever. Right. Um, and so with that, we, we thought we'd, we'd, you know, we'd do our branding of you get a little history with your whiskey when you drink ironclad. So it's, I like to say when you're, when you're drinking ironclad, you, uh, you're getting a history lesson. And so it's not, you know, it's not drinking. It's just history. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's what I tell my, my parents when they ask me what I'm doing <laughs> <laughs> or my wife, I should say. All those bottles on my shelf, they're history. Yeah. <laughs> but no, uh, I know that, is it all the bottles or some of the bottles? It's actually like there's a peel away on yes, the label. So on a few of them, there, there's a peel back. Um, and then there's one of them that's that's printed on the inside. But uh, so on our small batch label, if you peel it back, um, it's got a blueprint of the USS monitor underneath it. On our straight bourbon, um, which is the first one on your right, uh, it's got a peel back of the CSS Virginia. 
um, on our bottled and bond label. Um, it, if you peel back, peel back that one, it's got the story of uh, the bottled and bond act. Wow. Um, and then on our monitor blend, which is our high weeded bourbon, um, that one's got the uh, advertisement from the 1890s of a rye whiskey brand made in New York called the monitor blend. So we just thought it was super cool that uh, we're not the first people thinking about naming a distillery after ironclad chips because it had already been done. Yeah, that's so neat. Yeah, yeah it's education with each drink. I love it. <laughs> uh, what, Tano, you, you, you said you mentioned that, you know, you're, you have to let this stuff age before you sell it, obviously. So were you sourcing anything in the meantime or did you let you, you do any white spirits to sell? This is this is definitely not the way you want to start a business. Um, we were very lucky. We survived. Um, but we over oh, our opening of the distillery, we said we were only going to make bourbon. We were never going to make any clear spirits, no vodkas, no gins, no unaged whiskey. Um, and so we waited uh, wow. for about a year and a half from the, when we made our first our first barrel to selling our first bottle was just about two years. Um, and so, yeah, we, we waited all that time of just keep producing bourbon, keep producing bourbon, not selling anything. And then eventually uh, trying it, getting it ready and bottling it and sending it off. Uh, but yeah, not not <laughs> what I recommend at all. Um, there was a lot of nights of ramen, um, but we uh, luckily survived. And yeah, now we're in year nine, almost year 10. Yeah, well, kudos to that. I mean, I, that's that's part of the, what I love doing, uh, you know, coming out and talking to people like you who are really bootstrapping themselves. And and, and it's part of that TLC, right? It adds to that you have hands on this this craft that you've poured your blood, sweat and tears into. Yeah, probably literally. <laughs> and, um, does you think that goes into the spirit that, that the quality of the spirit that that story that, that your background and, and what you did to make it get here adds to the the quality of the spirit? I mean, I think it definitely leads to the fact, or it makes it, you know, it's it's our own. It, it's it, it, what we're going through with this is, this is as much of a King family bourbon as you're going to get. Um, you know, we, my dad will help me in the distillery. My sister's helping the distillery. Um, we all have a hand in making it. And so it's, it's truly, um, you know, this is, a, this was what we wanted to make. And this is uh, how I mean, it's, it's progressed through the years of, I mean, it, the mash bill has been the exact same. Um, but we've gotten more mature. We've gotten older. We've got we've changed, tweaked things here and there to make it uh, as best as it can be. And so that's that's kind of our goal is we want to be able to make the best bourbon. Yeah. How much trial and error was there when, in the beginning when you were? I mean, were you self taught? Were you? Yeah. So um, we started with one twenty six gallon still. Um, okay. So that was the hillbilly still. Uh, <laughs> thinking that was there was you know oh we're we're big time we're gonna be we're gonna be really cranking out some bourbon. Uh, to fill one fifty three gallon barrel, it took us over a month. To fill a 15, it was about a week. Um, and so, you know, we're like, all right, this is this is going pretty slow. Let's go to Kentucky. Let's let's just see what it's like. And so we go to Kentucky. We walk to our first distillery, which I believe was uh, Willet or um, God, it was either Willet or uh, Heaven Hill. Okay. And we walked in and I just noticed they were spilling uh, more than we were making in a day <laughs> uh, on the first, you know, hour. Uh, so I was like, oh, boy. Uh, we're not even close to big time. And so <laughs> then we went back to the drawing board. We're like, okay, well, what are we going to do here? So, um, we bought five more stills, just like the 26 gallon still. Cause, um, we read the book, uh, the guy, the guy, urban moonshining, which was written by Colin Spolman, who is the uh, master distiller and owner of Kings County distillery right. in Brooklyn. And so he wrote this book explaining how to distill, um, explaining how they started explaining the history of, of bourbon. 
And um, and so we started the we thought, all right, if, if they can do it that way, then let's let's follow in their footsteps. Um, so then we ended up getting actually go up to Kings County um, in uh, in Brooklyn and actually got to talk to Colin Spolman. And we had a really nice, you know, few hour conversation up there. Um, we brought up some stuff that we made that he could try that he could try. Uh, he thought we were doing a good job, which was a really, you know, amazing thing to, validation. that validation that he thought we were doing something right. Right. Um, and then we saw how he expanded and, and what what he is, what he was up to at that point. And so, like, OK, great. You know, this is I guess this is our aspiration of what we want to grow to. But let's see where we get to. Uh, let's see how we can get there first. Uh, so we were running the uh, 626 gallon stills. We were now filling a 53 gallon barrel in like a week and a half. Oh, yeah. Here we go. <laughs> Now we can really lay down some whiskey. Um, and so, you know, we, we, we started majority of what we were doing was all 15s. Um, and we were doing about two fifty three gallon barrels a year. Uh, and so just kind of slowly ramping up more or running that more and more. And then realizing that if we really wanted to make this market viable, we were going to have to buy a bigger still. And so that's where we sold off all the, the 15 or 26 gallon stills and bought a 500 gallon still. So we've had Ruth, um, she's been back there for almost five years now. Um, or almost, I guess about a little over four years now. Um, and now we're doing a, now when we first got her, uh, we had a, we were doing a 53 gallon barrel every run. Wow. Um, and so now we're up to the point where we're doing, we're laying down about eight barrels, eight fifty threes a week, as opposed to one fifty three gallon barrel in a week and a half. So, um, it's definitely been great laying down more bourbon as opposed and actually having stuff to hold back. Um, cause when we first started with the, with the 26 gallon stills, it was, uh, everything that we were making was going out the door, which is great. I mean, that's exactly what you want to do, right. but unfortunately didn't give us the, the ability to hold back anything. So, you know, we, we do tours now we're almost 10 years old. They're like, Oh, where's the 10 year old barrels? I was like, they're gone. <laughs> those are those left a long time ago. Uh, and I, you know, that was great that, uh, that people were enjoying our bourbon and it, and people were buying it. Um, but at the same point it, it was, you know, in the fact that it held us kind of back a little bit and set us back a little bit, um, because we couldn't, uh, have any barrels that we could just kind of sit back and like wait on. Yeah. So, um, you know, it was a good and bad thing, but uh, now we definitely are be able to, we have barrel, I, I have barrel up there that's going to make it to 15 years. I don't know which barrel it is, but it'll make it there. Right. Hey, when you, when you first were doing that in the, in the 15 and then up to the 53 gallon, was there a sweet spot you found for aging that, or what were you chasing the shelf being empty? <laughs> uh, so, I mean, uh, uh, you know, when we started, uh, all of our barrel, all of our barrel storage was on the first floor. Uh, so it was right off, uh, if you go into the distillery right off where now where all of our fermenters are. Um, that was where all of our barrel storage was. And after about six, eight months of, of real of, with the six twenty six gallon stills, uh, we almost filled that room. Mm. And so, uh, and there was a pretty quick turnover. So, you know, we'd, we'd go, we'd fill a row, we'd empty a row, we'd fill a row, empty a row. And so we, we had a pretty quick turnover there. Um, but, uh, we had the entire third floor open. And so when we bought Ruth, um, the third floor started getting all the barrels. And then about halfway through this year, all the barrels on, uh, in the first floor went up to the third. Floor. And so now all of our barrels are up there. 
Um, I have kind of got a nice spot where I, I really love the stuff I'm I'm waiting on and I, w I want to get the best opportunity. Um, there's a bunch of windows on the back of the building and um, it, there's two specific spots where it gets a lot of sun sunlight throughout the whole day. And so that's that's kind of the spot where I like to leave things. Awesome. So uh, a couple months ago, three months, four, three or four months ago, uh, Tony Hawk came here and so i saw that on instagram he yeah. signed a bottle yeah so he signed a bottle for us um but he also we, we have a thing where if you go up to do a, if you do a tour of the distillery if you go up to the barrel room um and you find your barrel a barrel that has your birthday on it you get to sign the barrel oh. so we had a barrel from may 12th uh made this year um so as soon as tony hawk signed that barrel it moved over to the best the best aging spot and so now it's sitting there uh you know for it's only, it's not even a year old yet, so it'll be sitting there for a while. But yeah, now it's you can get to see Tony Hawk signature on, on a barrel. Oh, that sounds like a great marketing opportunity yeah. down, the, down the road. <laughs> <laughs> I did promise him a few bottles out of it, so of course. <laughs> <laughs> wow, very cool. So let's uh, start with the whiskey. What yeah, yeah. Uh, what should I start with? So start on your right hand side. So the, that first one is our straight bourbon. So this is our flagship mash bill. It's our four grain mash bill. So seventy percent corn, ten percent wheat, ten percent rye, ten percent malted barley. Um, and so this one is 100 proof, uh, about three and a half years old in 53 gallon barrels. Um, it's, you know, nice and oaky on the front, nice little cinnamon pop, little baking spice on the back end. Um, and this is the one that, you know, this is our flagship mash bill. We, we've been working the same mash bill since day one. We've actually never changed that. Wow. Um, but, you know, we've, we've changed our yeast a couple times. We've changed our barrel char a couple times. We've gone up from uh, 15s and 30s to to almost exclusively 53s, um, and so this is just our, uh, you know, this is our ode to bourbon. Like this is this is our kind of flagship. If you're gonna look at where to start with Ironclad, I always always start you here because this is just where we everything started with this match. Yeah, that that finishes a cinnamon bomb. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Wow. What was the proof on this? 100. 100 proof. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a good. It's a good benchmark bourbon. Yeah. A good intro to what you guys do. Uh, is this your best seller? Uh, so our best seller, it, it kind of splits between two. Uh, our small batch is the most widely available. Okay. Um, so that is the younger version of this one. Um, it's, but it's, it's the most widely available. So it makes it, it's not the most, the number one seller. Uh, we did recently get this into ABC stores. Um, and so it, it's, it does, uh, do, it does well. Um, but it's, it's, yeah, small batch has got a, got a head start on it. Yeah, I will say that the market has been kind of weird in the last 10 years, and you're you're kind of growing up in it, that the bourbon is selling as the, the number one thing. People hear the word bourbon, they think, oh my God, it's amazing. Yep. Um, rye is slowly kind of creeping back. Yeah. I think there was an uptick of like 5% in the last year, which is cute, but like, what are, do you have any plans to uh, go outside of bourbon? Once the, Is there any room for growth there, or are you going to stay staunch on we are the bourbon guys? So, uh, last March... Uh, so March 2023, uh, we released our first ever rye. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, it was called Betrayal um, because for about a year and a half, my sister had no idea that we made a rye. Uh. Um, and so it wasn't until I was talking to someone, to, you know, in the tasting room, they were saying, oh, you, you know, you, are you ever going to branch out? Are you ever going to make anything else? And I said, well, yeah, actually, I have a rye aging upstairs. Um, and I, I think I'm going to let it go for about two, a little over two years for the first release. Uh, and then I hear my, my sister per ears perked up and goes, you did what? And I was like, oh, whoops, I forgot. I didn't tell her that. 
And she goes, you betrayed me. I was like, well, all right, that's what we're going to call it. We're going to call it betrayal. And so that was our, so our rye is called betrayal. It's a, it's a, and the rye um, is a four grain rye actually. So it matches the bourbon mash bill exactly. So it's, except split swaps the rye and the corn. So it's 70% corn, or rye, uh, 10% corn, 10% wheat, 10% malted barley. Wow. And um, I don't know how many four grain ryes there are, there are out there, um, but it's, it's, minty it's good i really like it that's great that's yeah. great is it still available is it's it- not so it, we only released it once a year okay. um we i do i only run it uh or mash it and and distill it a few times during that throughout the year whenever my farmers get in we use a brutzi rye um our family uh our my mom's family is from a italy so we we got that rye uh made or grown for us um and so yeah so I, whenever that comes becomes available uh, i'll grab as much as i can We'll run it for a couple weeks and then we'll go back to bourbon. Um, we do we do a whole bunch of different bourbons, so uh, we have to make sure that still stays number one. Of course, yeah. <laughs> uh, tell me about the grain stuff too. I, you you were saying you know you got a farmer. Is it is that local? Or all yeah. Things- so uh, we the one thing that we the the reason we're a four grain bourbon and the reason uh, the reason I was going for that is because I really wanted to showcase showcase Virginia agriculture, um, and so we all of our corn comes from about an hour away from the distillery either in charles city or west point um and then uh all of our wheat comes from either charles city or west point all of our rye most likely comes from west point um or uh all the all the abruzzi rye comes from are the comes from culpepper um the only thing we don't source from virginia is our malted barley okay um most of that is just uh, it, we don't really view uh, malted, bar- uh, malted barley as a uh, flavoring agent for it. So we, we're just looking for the enzymes to make that conversion. Um, and so we have used some Virginia malt in the t- in, in, in a various few things, um, but we don't exclusively use that. Um, but yeah, so the reason I wanted to showcase Virginia, Virginia agriculture is because Virginia makes, grows great grains. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, this next one I actually have for you is a good, good transition piece <laughs> is our, uh, it's called our old kernel. And so this one is made with an Indian corn that we get from the Eastern shore of Virginia. Um, the Indian corn itself is, you know, red, purple, blue, white, uh, yellow. It's got all the colors of the rainbow and the corn itself is really naturally sweet. Um, so it is way different than what yellow corn is. Um, and yellow corn is great, makes super tasty bourbon, but yellow corn is made to be efficient. It's made to be, you're going to get the best yield out of it as possible. Right. This Indian corn is not, it is, <laughs> it is, they can, they can date it. They dated it back. The first time it grew in Virginia was 1865. Wow. Um, and the the corn itself is just not efficient. Our yield drops by 10 to 15% when we're making this. But the flavor you get out of it is so different, so unique, and so, I mean, I wouldn't say better, but I mean, so, I mean, those different and unique are, are great adjectives for this um, because it it's just the way probably corn was distilled back in the 1800s. Um, and so it's more oily, more viscous, uh, but it's, it's just so different. So this one, Mashbell, and this one, 78% corn uh, because we really wanted that to be the showcase of the bourbon. Um, but the corn is also very sweet, so we wanted to die, uh, we didn't want it to be 100% corn. So 78 corn, 12 rye, 10 malts of barley. Uh, the rye in there just add a little spice. Uh, this one in particular is the first ever batch that was bottled in bond. So it's actually 100 proof and over four years old. Wow. 
you know, uh, different and unique is, or, or I mean, that's that says it all right there. But th this to me drinks closer to almost like a single malt. It yeah. has that is really that mouth feeling. It's very almost like a cocoa chocolatey on the on the tongue. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, that's cool. And then one of the things I love about this too is because you are a craft distiller, you get to play around here and kind of do what you want, especially as you've grown. That you can say, hey, I'm going to try that different corn and do different things. And, you know, tell me a little bit about that experimentation. How fun is it to do that stuff? That is by far the best part of the job. I mean, <laughs> uh, making uh, making our four grain recipe is great. You know, it's it's uh, but at the same point, it gets a little office spacey <laughs> um, where you're, you're sitting around and you know, doing the same thing over and over again. You know, it's like doing TPS reports. Uh, <laughs> this is where we get to experiment and have some fun. So. You know, when we, I'm trying different corns, which I, I've so we, you know we do the Indian corn. Uh, I've got one going this week. It's called Wapsie Valley corn, um, oh. which is supposed to be a uh, another heirloom uh, varietal. Um, it's supposed to be very different. Um, it's so far mashed really well. Uh, we have a Hickory King corn, which is a really big kernel, a really big white kerneled corn. Mm. Um, we've done Bloody Butcher this year. Uh, well, I've done another heirloom varietal. So we've got about five or six different. Uh, heirloom corns that we're trying out and different mash bill for each one of them um to kind of match what the corn um how you know how it should stand up next to the corn but still have the corn be the star of the show right um and then so yeah so that that's that's the most i mean that's the fun part and then getting to meet these farmers who are growing these grains because they're the ones who are keeping these grains alive i mean you know yellow corn's great uh but these other corns are are maybe maybe better maybe or at least different well and, and that's that's the thing that people don't think about i mean we were just talking about how the bourbon market has exploded i don't think people know about that that nuance behind the spirit of you know there's 17 different types of corn that make different flavors <laughs> yeah and that's really unique how much of that did you learn on the job or did you come into this knowing uh, that you want to experiment or so coming into the job i had a uh about four week long um chemistry course in college <laughs> that we got to talk so the first half you had to learn the basics of chemistry you know chemistry 101 the second half of the of the uh course we got to talk or we got to learn what we wanted to learn about so uh the class got to pick and so ha by chance the class picked brewing and distilling which are the two things i do now <laughs> um and so it was very rudimentary um nothing we knew or nothing super in-depth or anything like that but it was enough to give me at least some knowledge of when we started this we, I, I wasn't completely going in 100% blind. Right. Um, and so, you know, we went over brewing. We went over that process and of, of, of brewing and mashing and all that. Uh, and then we went on to the next stage of distilling where it's, you're just boiling off the alcohol from what you brewed. Um, and so that was, that was my rudimentary knowledge. Then, then we read uh, Colin Spolman's book. Then we went and talked to a whole bunch of distillers to kind of, uh, get their idea, get get how they do things. And then after that, it was just trial and error, trial and error, trial and error. Um, and so uh, I've been really lucky that farmers have reached out to me saying, hey, I have these corns um, that, we, that we've grown. Um, would you like to try them? Of course, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I would love to try that. Um, and so like the, the, hick, the Indian corn for the old kernel, uh, they, he reached out to a whole bunch of distilleries. We, uh, we were the only one to respond. And I was said after that, I was like, I'd like a exclusivity. I don't want anyone else having this corn. Um, it's so unique, so different. I, I want it all for myself. He's like, great, no problem. So uh, we have now we have that. Uh, the other farmer in, in Culpeper that we get the Hickory King, the Wapsie Valley, uh, our Brutzi, 
Uh, he grows for a lot of other distilleries. He's done stuff for Ace of Bowman. He's stuff done. He's done stuff for One Eight. Um, and he, there's a reason he he, he is what he, he's getting those clients is because he's growing beautiful, great grains. Right. Um, and uh, and he's a super nice guy. So, <laughs> uh, you know, we really like dealing with him. He likes dealing with us. So we we like to continue that conversation. I'm sure there's a little bit of a you know a uh, here's some bottles from the stuff that you make. Of course. Too, right? so, yeah. I mean, <laughs> That's that. I mean, I, I think that's that's part of his uh, whole idea behind it. He wants to he wants to get some free booze out of it. Like, hey, that's fine. <laughs> Not a Keep bad. Keep growing job. great grains. We're good. We're good with that. That's right. So it was. What's the third one here? So the third one. So we because we're only, we we only do bourbon. Um, we do a lot of finishes. Um, this is the other part of my job that's that's really fun. Um, so this one's our hot honey finish. So this one is our our small batch bourbon finished in a habanero infused honey cask. Um, so we give our barrels, uh, to a, uh, hot honey guy in Richmond. His name's AR's hot honey. Um, and he makes this habanero infused honey. He ages in our used bourbon barrels, takes the honey out. Uh, we get the barrels back and we put our bourbon back in there. Um, so we're not adding any hot honey or anything like that to it. We're only picking up those new characteristics from aging in the, in the different barrel. Um, and so this one's really cool where you get that honey right up front. And then as it finishes across the back, of your palate, back of your palate, you actually get that capsaicin sensation. It's not like base melting or anything like that, but it's definitely enough to let you know it's there. And yep. it's definitely not a whiskey burn. It's, it's, it's so different. Yeah. I was going to say that a lot of ryes have that kind of it tricks the mind it, 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 the, the spice takes over and you think, Oh, it's alcoholic. Yeah. This is most definitely a pepper burn. Yeah. But not bad at all. It's yeah. very pleasant. That's wild. <laughs> so this one's really fun. So I, I always say this one, if you have a cold coming on in the, in the wintertime, <laughs> you make a hot toddy with yeah. this and it's a, it's a guarantee you'll feel better. Uh, you know, you may have to drink a glass or two or, or drink the whole, the whole bottle, but, um, yeah, it'll, it'll solve, it'll, it'll cure whatever's wrong with you. Cause you know what they say is what whiskey can't cure. There's no cure for. That's right. How long is this in the uh, hot honey barrel? So this finishes in the barrel for about six to eight months. Okay. Yeah. So we liked, I mean, I've, I've tested it along the way of, of how we've done it. And um, at three months, it's good, uh, but it still can be a little sweet. At six months plus, it's, it's where you're getting you're getting a little bit of honey, um, but you're still getting, but you're also getting all those other um, all those other flavors where it's not just a cloyingly sweet, with a little bit of pepper in the back. Right. Because the pepper doesn't go away. No, I, I, it really sits in your throat and yeah. your chest. I love that a lot. Wow. How unique. And I love the fact, because there's a lot of places out there that are doing infusions and not actually just aging the barrel. Yeah. And I mean, no shame on that, but I love a more pure, this is bourbon and it's aged in a barrel and it's still bourbon. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is the most fun because I get to meet all these really, I can, so with the 15 gallon barrels, we can use really small producers. Right. So we can do a lot of really cool stuff like this guy. Um, I mean, he's a one man band out of Richmond um, and, you know, I, I give him barrels and if at, at 15 gallons he can maneuver them and he can do a you know a three or four barrels at a time right uh if i gave him a 53 we when I mean, we've had the problem where that where he's had a whole 15 gallon barrel of honey crystallized <laughs> if we gave him uh, a 53 gallon barrel and a whole thing crystallized one no one's moving that thing and two uh that's gonna be about a thousand dollars of honey that just kind of that you can't use anymore right right um so yeah it, it's it's nice because i get to experiment with with smaller producers like you know we have a coffee roaster in norfolk that um that takes all of our uh, takes our used bourbon barrels and they age their coffee beans in there right uh so they're picking up all those all those coffee flavors are they're all they're picking up all the bourbon flavors and then 
also leaching oil into the barrels as well. So we're picking up all those coffee flavors. So um, it's great for us that we can do experiment, little experiments and try these things out. And it's great for them because, you know, it's also, co you know, co-branding, which is what you're going for. That's, that's what I love about what you're doing here is that, and other craft distillers I've talked to in the area. And I, I love to think of it as common, almost like a community. They're, you know, you, you're doing different things than, you know, Patoctin Creek is doing than, you know, A. Smith Bowman, whatever. You, you, you're all kind of part of this Virginia and any other state that has craft distillering. Yeah. It's a family that you're working towards a, a goal of showcasing what Virginia has. And I love that you get to work with a coffee roaster down the road. Yeah. That's so neat. And it's, you know, co-branding helping each other out in the community. That's exactly. what makes craft distilling great. And I'm not trying to shame anybody who loves Jim Beam, yeah. but you know, they're a big corporate monster and that's, <laughs> that's okay. But one of the things I love about this too, is that you, and I'm sure you've, you've, you've experienced this is that every bottle you, you make is going to taste a little bit different. And that's a unique thing about bourbon. People don't understand sometimes. Yeah. And different corn, different corn, uh, you know, growth, is going to be different, different years, uh, different seasons. What, how was it rainy? Was it warm? Was it cold? And it just influences all the little flavors that come here. And, and you have that symbiotic relationship with the, the farmer. And I, it's, it's just neat. It's neat that you're doing this. It's, uh, it's by far the best job I've ever had. <laughs> oh, I'm, yeah, I'm jealous. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> and I appreciate you having me here to experience yeah, your job. Of course. What's the last one here? So the last one is our once, our, our once a year release. Um, we released this one just before Thanksgiving, um, and it is our Tawny Port cask finish. Um, and so this one, you know, the, the port barrels come straight from Portugal. Uh, we went with Tawny because it's the sweetest of the ports. Um, I really wanted that sweetness to complement with the bourbon. And uh, this one, it's leathery, it's tobacco-y, it's raisiny. Um, it's, it's just a... I, I love this one so much because the, the barrels actually, I mean, even though they're shipped over from Portugal, they still come with port still sitting inside of them. Oh, really? And uh, they're still wet. They're not they're not dried out and, and falling apart like some barrels you get are. Uh, but yeah, this one is so much fun. Uh, it's, you know, you don't always want to pair sweet with sweet because bourbon can be sweet. Yep. Um, but sometimes it's complimentary and this this is a perfect compliment to bourbon um ruby is you know a little drier um and i i didn't necessarily want that flavor or drier and fruitier uh, i wanted the more sweet leathery notes and i think they come out in spades in this bourbon well the color on that is beautiful too yeah um man i love that there's a lot of i'm a big scotch guy too mm -hmm. um and you know hold a gun to my hand i probably say i love scotch more yeah but at doing this and talking to you and other people I, i've come much more around on bourbon and, and rise and american whiskeys um there's a lot of scotches that have tawny ports yeah. that I love. And now this is this is just a it, it tastes like a sherry bomb on almost. Yeah. Um oh man, I love that. How so what you said that when the bottles come from Portugal, there's still some tawny port left in there. Yeah. Do you have to remove that or do you just throw the bourbon in with it? So we will take that out so that we don't have any flavor, you know, any flavoring, I guess is what they would we could classify it. Right. Uh, so yeah, we always take it out. Um and, and you know, it's it's there's like two or three gallons of of port in there still oh, so, so it's not just it, a splash it's not just a splash it's it's still pretty wet but we take them and we take it out and we put the bourbon back in and you know most likely uh if there's still uh port sloshing around in there uh those staves are still really wet yeah and so you know even though we, we completely drained it it's still got that absorption of all that so through transference when the bourbon's going in we're picking up all that tawny port which right. is which is what exactly what i want absolutely oh man 
So tell me what the barrels are using. Are you, are you, do you have your own cooperage? Are you? Uh... So yeah, so we have uh, we use two cooperages almost exclusively. Um, we have one out of Missouri. Um, it's called McGinnis. Um, it's a small family run cooperage. Uh, you know, I, I think the dad's still the owner. The son is who we deal with. Uh, and they make 15 gallon barrels and they make 53s. They also make a lot of wine barrels, um, but they're great. They've been around since the, I think the fifties. Uh, we've been using them since day one. Uh, and then uh, a few years ago, uh, I believe it's 2020, uh, Spaceside up in, out in uh, Virginia, out in the Western part of Virginia opened up. Uh, and so as soon as they were opened up, we reached out or they reached out to us and sent over a bunch of samples of barrels and, uh, I got to meet the head Cooper, um, and I, I was I, I the, for the longest time I've been looking for a cooperage to make barrels out of Virginia oak, right? Uh, because I, you know, I'm I, I'm very passionate about using Virginia ingredients, and uh, our number one ingredient in making bourbon is the barrel. Um, we're getting seventy percent of our flavor of, uh, just from that barrel. So uh, the one thing I wanted was I wanted that I wanted the Virginia oak. So I was like, "Are you using Virginia oak?" He's like, 90 percent of it, yes." And I was like, done. Wait, wait, let's <laughs> let, uh, let's uh, sign me up, or we're taking as many barrels as we can get out of you. And so, um, the a lot of distilleries have dealt with um, barrel shortages and everything like that. And we've been very lucky. We were one of the first people to sign up with Speyside. They've been nothing but great to us. They've taken care of us really well. Um, and even when we need a few extra barrels, they're they're always there for us. So um, I, I love their barrels. I think they do a great job. Their quality super great. And I'm really enjoying the bourbon that's coming out of them. Yeah, well, me too. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, how, are you doing? What uh, char level are you doing? So pretty much, uh, we do char number three on almost everything. We do have a few char fours, a couple char fives. Okay. Uh, everything is medium toast as well, so they toast the barrels and then they char them. Um, that's just to kind of uh, ramp up more oakiness and it penetrates the wood more. Um, so that that's kind of the idea behind that. Uh, to make sure we, we we're getting as much of oak as out of the barrels as possible. Yeah, well, I was gonna say your 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 uh, uh, non finished bourbon, it, it definitely has a good oaky, but a mellow oak. Mm -hmm. It's not. Sometimes you get a bourbon that's just it's it's over aged in a barrel that's overcharred and it just tastes <laughs> like wood. Yeah, and uh, I'm not gonna name anybody, but <laughs> <laughs> but that, that that oak flavor and those wood sugars can really be pleasant. And I think your your non -fin un unfinished bourbons showcase that perfectly with the finished bourbons obviously you're not trying to showcase that wood but yeah but you like the tawny port that tobacco leather and that leather flavor i would think is probably an accent of the wood sugar it's it's phenomenal Thank but you. yeah so uh, is there anything else that you can maybe disclose like any uh, experimentations that you have squirreled away in the back that you're waiting on or is there anything that you want to do that you haven't done yet any beer barrel finishes or I've done a beer barrel finish. We have we we released that one last. Uh, we did a Belgian quad. Okay. Um, we do that with uh with our friends over at Cashel over in Hampton. Um, and we'll have we I just got the this year's barrels for next year. Uh, in. Um, the things I've wanted to do are a, a, a few different experiments of finishes. Uh, that are like are they viable? So like I'd I'd love to do a actually tobacco finished bourbon. Ooh. Um, where they age uh tobacco for cigars inside the barrel uh we get the barrel back and we put the bourbon and put the bourbon back in um i don't know the legality of that because now we'd be going into tobacco and alcohol uh, i think it would be available i think it's able i don't know so that's just one of the kind of sticking in the nagging in the back of my mind of, of trying that 
Um, I, I'd love to do a like a, or do like a maraschino cherry sort of thing, and and then barrel aged maraschino cherries. I don't know. Uh, these are just ideas that run through my head, but I'm then having to figure out how to actually execute them. That's that's the more difficult part. Yeah, you you say alcohol and tobacco. I'm pretty sure there's a three letter agency out there that just their <laughs> their ears started buzzing. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be neat though, I, because it, I've never. I don't think I've seen a tobacco barrel aged. I've seen obviously I've seen cigars aged in uh, yeah. a bourbon barrel. That'd be interesting. Really accent those tobacco flavors. Yeah, and I'm a big cigar guy too, so. No, that, that, that's that's kind of the idea of it. I mean, I've, there, I guess there there's a um, cigar place down in Nicaragua that's taking a whole bunch of used bourbon barrels and they're they're aging the tobacco inside the bourbon barrels. Yeah, I was like, how can you? I mean, like, how are they getting the tobacco leaves back out? And then how is are they destroying the barrel and doing that? So it's like, oh, gotta figure out a way. Yeah, maybe that'd be that'd be cool. Yeah, and I know you you did allude to that. There's a uh, an older bourbon that you're uh, hopefully we're gonna release at some point. It's probably a special edition. Uh, so yeah, well, I mean, we we ha- we'll have next year we'll have our first ever six year old bottled and bond. Okay. Um, which will be the oldest bourbon we ever released. Um, we'll have more and more. I mean, I have more and more barrels sitting up there that are getting older and older, and so I just gotta have the patience of waiting <laughs> there and letting it get to age and just being patient. That's 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 the part of this that, that makes me <laughs> makes me anxious. Is I, at some point I'd love to get into the business, and I, we have a couple of buddies we want to work with, and maybe down the road open up a cigar lounge slash distillery of some sort. But, yeah, uh, sounds great. Yeah, I talk, talk to all you guys, and it's like, oh man, that sounds like so much work. <laughs> so thank you for doing it. <laughs> it's gotten a lot easier. I mean, from when we first got all of our paperwork to for uh, to become a licensed distillery, that that took about a year. Now I've heard like you can get it done in like two to three months. Oh yeah, because yeah. it's they've got more employees now because they've seen the demand. Right. Um. But yeah, so it's definitely gotten a lot easier. Very cool. Well, I, I appreciate you sharing your uh, your story and yeah. uh, the whiskey, and I, I'm a big fan. I'm a I'm a I'm a customer, of course. <laughs> but uh, this has been an awesome spot to to come and do a podcast with you. So thank you, Owen. And, thank you, uh, Kogan. Cheers to uh, cheers to Ironclad. Cheers. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd appreciate it if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. The more reviews, the easier we are to find. Also, if you aren't already, be sure to follow us on social media so you never miss any of our updates. Be sure to share this episode with your friends and always be sure to drink responsibly. There are quite literally thousands of distilleries, so we're just getting started. Stay tuned for more conversations with master distillers, distillery owners, mixologists, and even bar owners, and more. Cheers. Cheers.